0: One of the incredible accelerators that I had in my life, for example, in terms of learning was when I started at the European Space Agency and I was asked to start teaching stuff to other people. Uh, You know, I never learned so quickly as I did in those moments. And still today, if I think when I have to prepare a lecture, when I'm preparing for a video course or for an event, the capacity that I have in that context to absorb information becomes amazing, just because of the fact that I know that I will have to teach that stuff. But we rarely exploit this, you know. Think about schools, for example. Uh, That would be the perfect environment in which have kids, you know, (laughs) testing their learning capacities by teaching to other kids.
1: Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an amazing guest lined up for you today. I had the privilege of being in one of the world's top masterminds, Robin Sharma's annual Titan Summit, which attracts top thought leaders, and top business people from around the world. This gentleman was one of the featured faculty at that event. He blew me away with the power of his thought leadership. He engaged me in a subject that, frankly, to many people can be quite dry, but he made it come alive with passion and interest. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Dr. Filippo Ongaro. Welcome to the show, Filippo. Hey, Nick, what an introduction. Thank (laughs) you for having me. It's my pleasure. My pleasure indeed, sir. So, Filippo, our listener happens to be an aspiring thought leader. And they might actually even be an actual thought leader. They tend to be entrepreneurs. Most of them tend to be solopreneur type people. So coaches, consultants, trainers, speakers, facilitators. The reason they come and listen to this show is they want to learn from our guest experts, which today is you, how it is that you took that genius that you have and you turned it into a viable business, a powerful successful business. What say you tell us your backstory, my friend?
0: Well, you know, my backstory has uh, helped me a lot because it gave me a certain uniqueness that I believe is probably the most important uh, factor, you know, to have a successful business today, especially when we think about personal branding and, you know, all the new strategies that are available online. This factor of uniqueness, I think, is, uh, is extremely important. And, uh, my let's say uniqueness comes from the fact that I was hired to do a job that is pretty rare, which is the flight surgeon for the astronauts. so, so uh, after I took my medical doctor degree in Italy, I followed postgraduate studies in sports science and sports medicine. Uh, but then uh, I must say a little bit for a lucky circumstance, I ended up, you know for a time, for a period of time at the Deutsche Sporthochschule in Cologne, which means a uh, sports university in Cologne, Germany. And the professor I was working with uh, was actually uh, focusing on a project with the European Space Agency. And uh, I worked successfully on that project. And after that, the space agency basically asked me, do you want to stay? And uh, so I ended up working for almost eight years uh, at the space agency, staying uh, for very extended times in Russia, in the US, in Houston and NASA, And that was an incredible experience, both from, um, let's say, purely medical and scientific perspective, but also for, you know, the international environment, the travels. And then, by the way, I was fairly young because I got in the space agency in my early 30s. So it was an incredible opportunity to learn and apply things that I was very interested in. And, you know, one of the main topics for astronauts is how to prevent accelerated aging because uh, we tend to say that six months in space uh, are more or less equivalent to 10 years on Earth. So it's a really incredible acceleration of the aging process. And uh, what was happening at the same time in the U.S. was this incredible expansion of anti-aging medicine. So I got interested in that. While I was staying in the U.S. for long uh, periods of time, I got a chance to get board certified in anti-aging medicine and functional medicine. And then I came back uh, in Europe, I came back to Italy and I decided to open my own clinic and I started writing books and, you know, being on radio shows, TV shows. And that's how it all started. And this, uh, this unique thing of having been the doctor of the astronauts obviously helped me tremendously to acquire certain type of knowledge that is not readily available to every medical doctor, let's say. But also, again, to have this uh, stamp, this label of uniqueness uh, that indeed attracted uh, publishing companies and then newspapers and TVs. you know, and one step at a time, I was able to gain a certain uh, visibility towards the general public. And that visibility grew, and I was able at a certain point to exploit it. So I started doing online courses and uh, events. Uh, and I basically moved into the coaching dimension much more than the clinical dimension. So at this specific moment, I'm not working as a medical doctor anymore. I manage my company and we offer, uh, let's say, uh, online courses and live events focusing on uh, lifestyle improvement, performance enhancement. Uh, so nutrition, food supplements, so physical exercise, but also how to improve your mental capacity. Uh, so, you know, and this is... a uh, My story. So it started out, uh, you know, like this with something that was related uh, probably more to luck than to strategy. You know, I was the maybe the right person, but especially I was the person in the right moment. And I was hired at the space agency, and that was really the start of
1: everything else. Wow. (laughs) Philip, that's an incredible story. So You were actually the flight surgeon for the European Space Agency. You got to go hang out with folks that are astronauts both there and in Russia and in the United States. For like a space geek like me, that's like a dream come true to be able to talk to a guy like you. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing.
0: Well, it's kind of funny because, you know, I was a space geek when I was a kid. And it's funny because my mother years ago reminded me that when I was seven years old, I wrote a letter to NASA, and, I, and I'm, you know, I'm still waiting for the, for the <laughs> reply to come back. But in the meantime, you know, you see, nothing happens by chance. So I was interested in space, and then I forgot about it, and then I came back. And yes, it was a really unique experience, and also it's very interesting that today, you know, there's only one program, basically international. So this international space station. So there's no big distinction between. Uh, Uh, American crew members and Russian and Europeans and that's also true for the support personnel so actually you get to work with the NASA astronauts, with the Russian astronauts, with European ones and that is a really really fantastic uh, opportunity. I have to say that I really really learned a lot in those years.
1: That's clear but I'll tell you what else is clear. This is part of what stamps you as a thought leader. So one of of my mentors is a gentleman out of Australia. His name's Peter Cook, along with Matt Church. He created Thought Leaders Global and Thought Leaders Business School. And Matt is a pretty brilliant thinker. And here's what he has to say around what makes someone a thought leader. And he makes a distinction between an expert and a thought leader. He says an expert is someone who knows something, right? Someone who has expertise. But a thought leader... A thought leader is someone who is known for knowing something. So in (laughs) in your case, the fact that you have this incredible credential of being the flight surgeon for the European Space Agency, and you've done this incredible work, and you understand anti-aging in a way that few human beings do, allows you to stand out and become known for this. And that's what has you be a thought leader. What are your comments on that?
0: Well, you know, but well, I'm happy to hear that and uh, I must say that I agree because uh, not not because you're speaking about me obviously, but because in general, I was reflecting now that you were speaking about the fact that, you know, I wasn't the only one there. You know, there were several other flight surgeons both in the US and, and but also in Russia and in Europe. But to my knowledge, uh, I have been really the only one able to exploit that aspect in a commercial business uh, Environment. And so I think, you know, this is very important, especially for people that really want to set up their own businesses. Like, uh, go somewhere, learn a lot, and then uh, bring that knowledge into another environment. I'm not sure if, if that makes any sense, if it's clear. I'm just thinking out loud. Very but, clear. Very clear. Yeah, but one of, one of the main things for me has always been where can I grab a level of where can I learn to a level, to an extent that I will be unique for that uh, that I acquired, and then move that knowledge into an environment that is seeking for that specific capacity. Because, you know, I could have been a flight surgeon for 30 years at NASA in Europe or in Russia, but that would have been it. Yes, I could be here talking with you, and uh, you might also be happy to have me here on your show and say, I am, you know, 30 years I'm a flight surgeon in uh, in Russia in Europe. OK, that's one thing and I'm not criticizing, but it's a totally different thing to say you have been a flight surgeon. How do you use that experience in another environment to create actually something that wasn't there, which is. My personal deep definition of being an entrepreneur, so, you know, create something that doesn't exist and that answers questions, needs that are maybe unexpressed until then. And this was very true for anti aging medicine a few years ago when I started. You know, everybody had this idea oh, I don't like aging. Well, that's very clear. But there wasn't a, a scientific answer to that. What do I have to do? Which processes do I have to control in order not to age? as much as other people do. And today we know that there are differences. You know, Today we know very well there's an enormous difference between biological age and chronological age, and this difference is due to actually what you do every day, which habits you have, which uh, knowledge you acquired and how you apply it in your own life in regards to health, to how you eat, to how you exercise. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, this idea of creating something unique uh, through the knowledge you acquire in a certain environment and then moving on, getting in another environment uh, is something that has always attracted me very much. And and I must say that it happened again because now that anti-aging medicine is more popular, more people are doing that. Well, I moved out and I got into the coaching environment, which is an environment that I love, but I do think that it needs a higher scientific knowledge to be really effective so so i changed again you know and that's that's an interesting now that i reflect while i'm speaking with you i think change is one of the things the 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 common pathways that i always exploited is this thing of changing you know do your best and move on change environment The change i change nation i don't live in italy anymore i live in switzerland so it's like this change thing has always been very important for me
1: That's brilliant. I, I, I really like what you just said. So let's delve a little deeper and unpack this for a bit, shall we? So yep. anti-aging is an area that has become more popular. And because of right. your unique experience as a flight surgeon with the European Space Agency and frankly working with people from the United States and Russia. Really, this has become an international effort. You created a base of knowledge, a base of of unique insight that nobody else had, and you've become known for that. And when you brought that to the marketplace, you were able to commercialize it. And at some point, it became clear to you that you wanted to use your expertise in other ways. And that's why you got into coaching, right? Right. So you were able to take this and bring it into coaching. So elements of this, I'm sure you can bring into the coaching that you do with people. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly the case. You know, I, at a certain point, I,
0: I, I understood one thing and that became very important for me. You know, the deeper you go in medicine and, and you know, if you do anti-aging medicine well, it is fairly deep. It takes a long time and uh, you spend a long time with each patient. And, you know, that is uh, reducing the amount of patients you can see in, uh, drastically. So at a certain point, I realized, you know, that I was seeing something like maybe three, maybe four patients per day. And that was it. You know, and I'm not speaking economically because obviously that is, you know, uh, an area of medicine in which uh, you can earn a lot of money even with a few patients if you are good in marketing yourself. But I'm really speaking about how many people can I actually affect with my philosophy, with my ideas, with my vision of a healthier uh, life, with a higher level of performance. And I realize, well, you know, I can certainly, certainly interact with many more people if I get out of the purely one-to-one clinical dimension. And that's exactly what pushed me to move into the online uh, world more than what I was doing until that point, focusing on video courses. And then, uh, you know, I run uh, once per year in Italy, an event with more or less, uh, I think, 1,500 people. So it's it's a large event. Then from there, we offer a long-term coaching program that lasts six months that we do in classrooms. Uh, we also do it in nature, so we have a boot camp for the people that participate. So it's like realizing, or better, building a strategy that allows your capacity to stretch as much as you can. You know, it's like you could stay in the context of a clinical environment and do a, an excellent job, but probably you will end up helping certainly less people than what you can do with the type of services I'm offering today. It's clearly, it's a different thing. We don't go as deep as you go in a clinical environment. That's pretty clear. But I think it does
1: make a difference though. You know, I really like that because your your ability to impact a bigger group of people has become possible because you moved out of purely working on a clinical environment. Right, right, right. right?
0: And I have to say, you know, the first moment I realized that was with my second book, because my second book was published in, um, I think, 2011. And in Italian, uh, obviously, it, it is only in Italian, but nevertheless, that's a pretty big market, you know, 60 million people. And uh, that book went very, very well, it sold more than, uh, I think, 120,000 copies. So, wow. And I started realizing. You know, by the emails I was receiving, how many people were writing to me and saying, hey, you changed my life. Hey, I changed nutrition. I helped my mother. I helped my sister. And, you know, it worked out so well. I followed your pro. So all these contacts somehow convinced me that a lot can be done even outside the traditional one-to-one approach that a medical doctor has to have. Obviously, I'm not saying that one thing substitutes the other. Um, By no means I'm saying that. The medical environment is absolutely still necessary to make a diagnosis and propose a therapy. That's very clear. And and, and we cannot do that outside a one-to-one relationship with a patient. However, when we're talking only about educating and motivating people to make a change, then I must say that probably the one-to-one medical environment is not the best one. And, uh, and so I decided, you know, to make this change once again and say, okay, I did what I could in the medical environment. I worked there for several years. I acquired a good level of knowledge. I help a lot of people, but let's face a new challenge and move
1: on. I I love it. I love it. Um, It's powerful what you just articulated for us because I have a saying that I've coined myself, and the phrase goes like this. For you as a thought leader to be a seven or eight figure a year thought leader, right? So seven you know, so millions to tens of millions of dollars or euros, right? Yeah, you need a peer group and you need a system. The biggest danger that thought leaders today face is they do things alone. I have this thing that I put on social media called hashtag don't do 2019 alone, right? (laughs) Because if you're by yourself, no matter how smart you are, one of us is never as smart as all of us. And Ken Blanchard said that, right? And what happens in our events that we have with our people is the energy and the vibration of the group and even yep. though our group right now is a relatively small group, so we're, we're like, you know, 20, 30 people, allows people to make a decade's worth of progress yep. in their business in just a couple of days.
0: You know, I couldn't agree more. And I must say in my work, it helped a lot to have a partner. There's my wife that is a psychologist, but has always worked as a coach and a lot with group coaching and outdoor coaching. And, you know, she always always told me that, you know, she always said when I was still working only in the medical field, she was kind of saying, you know, but it's amazing what I have seen already years ago in terms of change in people, just because you let them interact, you know, they do stuff together. And uh, yeah, now that we have acquired that experience, I can tell you it's absolutely true. If you look, for example, at uh, success you can obtain in changing elements of lifestyle, like, for example, nutrition, by working in groups instead of simply prescribing a diet, you know, which we know... Statistically speaking, I think more than 90% of the people that go on diet 12 months later have more kilograms than what they started with. So it means that's not the solution, you know? So, and, and we know this also from from several commercial programs. If you think about Weight Watchers, I mean, they understood the value of, of group work in decades ago. So I agree and I'm fascinated by how people that normally would be the ones in need of help end up being the helpers in a different group situation. It's amazing. And because we know that the best way to learn is to teach, I really believe that the best way to help yourself is help others. And so it's amazing that when you put the people in the conditions to do that, uh, incredible things happen. So, yeah,
1: I agree. Wonderful. It's funny you uh, what you said, the best way to learn is to teach. That's from Glasser Choice Theory, right? Yeah. Yeah. But,
0: but you know, don't you agree? I mean, it's really like this. It's, you know, it, it if is I the best. think, absolutely, one of the incredible accelerators that I had in my life, for example, in terms of learning, was when I started at the European Space Agency and I was asked to start teaching stuff to other people. Uh, you know, I never learned so quickly as I did in those moments. And still today, if I think when I have to prepare a lecture, when I'm preparing for a video course or for an event, the capacity that I have in that context to absorb information becomes amazing just because of the fact that I know that I will have to teach that stuff. But we rarely exploit this, you know. Think about schools, for example. Uh, that would be the perfect environment in which have kids, you know, <laughs> testing their learning capacities by teaching to other kids. But we never use these strategies. I think that newer sciences are confirming a lot of this uh, today, I have to say. But still, the way we organize our work environment and our learning, traditional learning environment is not as good as it could be. So we have the, the, the fortunate situation that in, our, in the context of what we offer in terms of, of our business, you know, we can do whatever we want as long as it's uh, uh, scientifically sound, ethical and the people like it, we can experiment. So that's, that's the good thing. That's fantastic.
1: You know, I was reflecting on what you were saying as you were saying it. My boys uh, are both involved in high-level sports. I have a, a son yeah. who's about to turn 13 and another one who's going to turn 11 in a couple of months. And both these guys are called upon to teach their teammates uh, you know, they run some drills in soccer and basketball, and they they both actually also do martial arts. They do Kyokushin right. Karate. So the sensei has my son. Last night I had my son Comron, and he said, "Comron, hey, teach the class." And so Comron <laughs> got up there. You know, he's ten years old right now, and he's teaching a bunch of kids. Most of them are, are are a little bit younger than he is, and I I could see his confidence grow as he's up there teaching these kids how how to do their punches and kicks and drills and so forth. That's so, fantastic. Yeah, it is. And in Glasser's choice theory, right? I mean, Dr. Glasser's theory was that you only learn 10% of what you read, 20% of what you listen to, right? 30% of what you both listen to and read. Forty uh, percent uh, of what you get in a classroom environment, but you learn ninety-five percent of what you teach to uh, others. Of what you teach, yeah, ninety-five yeah. percent. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. incredible, right? So, whenever I want to learn something, I find someone who also needs to learn it. I exactly. go learn
0: something, and then I go teach it to them. So, exactly, exactly, exactly. And I, you know, I discovered that luckily very early because uh, I had the privilege to. Basically, go through the six years of of medical studies. That's that's how it's structured in Italy. Basically, facing every single exam with the same friend, and uh, you know, we we really use that that tactics. I mean, I would teach to him, and he would teach to me, and uh, that was amazing. It helps so much in respect to simply reading. And uh, yeah, we we definitely in the coaching world we should use more and more these uh, techniques uh, to make people get to a higher level of performance in learning uh, through doing stuff. You know, through having challenges, because at the end of the day, teaching is a challenge.
1: So, no, that I, I love it. I think that's brilliant. Uh, I have to say, I, as you and I were speaking, I thought to myself, you know, what your 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 online programs. It would be great to have them be available for a North American market and use your credential as having been a flight surgeon for the uh, space agency as part of establishing your thought leadership. And I really think this can be turned into a very, very effective program for a lot of people, but also one that I think could help you go international on your business. (laughs) Well, you know, let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I I, I love it. I'm, I'm I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I'm learning a ton, but I'm also putting my, my hat on as, as the fellow who runs E-Circle Academy and going, wait a minute, how do we make more money from this for you? <laughs> so um, anyways, Filippo, let me uh, switch gears for a moment. Yeah. Inside of E-Circle Academy, we define what we call the five pillars of thought leadership. And I want to walk you through what these are from our perspective and then have you comment on them, okay? Okay. So number one is you need unique and world-class IP, intellectual property. Okay. In in our view, if you don't have that, you really can't be a thought leader. Being a thought leader means you have to do some original thinking and you need to get that, that thinking out in the form of IP. What are your thoughts and comments on that? Well, you know, that's very much in line with the first thing I said. You need to have
0: something unique. Now, I think uh, it is very correct to identify that as IP. That would be the best situation. If it's not exactly IP, it has to be at least experience. But something unique has to be there because otherwise, uh, you know, why should you be a thought leader if you haven't done, developed or experienced
1: anything unique? So I couldn't agree more. Fantastic. Fantastic. So the second pillar of thought leadership is clarity. Now, clarity applies to a number of things. First of all, as a thought leader, you need to be clear on what your dream is for for yourself and for the difference you want to make in the world, right? A vague dream means you're going to have vague results, right? Secondly, you need to have clarity in your message, and your message needs to be directed at a very clear target market, right? A group of people that cares about what you have to say and has what we call the itch that you scratch. So, (laughs) one of my mentors is a, is a gentleman named Mark von Muser. And actually, Mark, Mark has, has, has also done some work with us. And he, he talks about something he calls the doctor frame. And as a, as a medical doctor, I think you'd appreciate this. He said that when you are, are out there and you're looking to work with a group of people, you need to hold a doctor frame that you understand what their pain is and that you have the solution and that there's no dilly-dallying about, well, I think this might work. It's, it needs to be like, for example, if, if your patient in your office had a bleeding neck and blood was shooting out of his neck, well, obviously, the first thing you would do is you'd stop the bleeding, right? And, and he says that when you're out there in the marketplace as a thought leader, your messaging needs to be clear in that kind of a frame as well. What right. are your thoughts on this whole concept of clarity for
0: thought leadership? Well, I think it's it's fundamental because, well, you know, first of all, that is one of the fundamental aspects of positioning, branding. You know, you, you need to be very focused on, <laughs> I like very much this, uh, this, the way you put it uh, down that is uh, scratching that itch. Yes, I think you yeah. have to be very, very uh, focused. And, uh, you know, on top of that, I would say, This is also confirmed by the experience that you have as a medical doctor, you know, without uh, criticizing anyone. It is very clear that on the market, the value of a super specialized heart surgeon or neurosurgeon is higher than a general family doctor. And that doesn't mean that the family doctor is not necessary, but absolutely not. But clearly, when you have the skills that are so clearly fitting in the needs of a certain community, then you're going to win. So, clarity I think is almost more difficult than uniqueness because uniqueness is something that happens in my opinion not only because you choose but also because it just happens you know like with my experience you accumulate knowledge and at a certain point you realize it can you develop something unique well clarity is really something you have to decide that's strategy you have to you know, think about it. And it it seems very simple to send a clear message to a community, but in reality, we know very well that it isn't. And today with uh, all the fantastic opportunities we have in terms of online marketing, this becomes even more difficult. Uh, So yes, also number two, I think is absolutely fundamental.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. So the third one, is what we call a strategy of preeminence, right? And that goes hand in hand with premium level pricing. So, For you to be successful as a thought leader, you need to be known as one of the preeminent thought leaders in your space. And I think in your case, you do that very well. I mean, having been a flight surgeon for the European Space Agency, understanding the fundamentals of aging and wellness and how to really tackle that the way that you do, you can very easily follow a strategy of preeminence, and then hand in hand with the strategy of preeminence is you need to charge accordingly. We feel that far too many people in this space of thought leadership don't charge appropriately. They undercharge, and they undercharge massively. And the the problem with undercharging is that in the mind of the prospect, it actually robs them of the value of the solution, because if it's not priced appropriately, they're going to think it's no good. And even if they end up buying it, because they didn't pay much for it, they're not going to really put their heart and soul into using it and getting the most out of the solution. I know, for example, that I've worked with some thought leaders and done their programs, right? I mean, the Titan Summit, not a cheap program to attend, right? Not a cheap program at all. I know that when I go there, I'm not just going to sit in the room and, you know, let let the information wash over me. I'm sitting there, I'm taking detailed notes. I took almost 200 pages worth of notes at that event. (laughs) I made sure that I met, you know, at least 20 amazing people. My objective there is I wanna get at least two people to interview on the podcast, and I've already got yourself and one other individual that's gonna yeah. do that. And I wanna meet at least one person that I can help through my business. That's, that's always my goal into going something like this. And if I had only paid $1,000 to go to the Titan Summit, I don't know that I would have given it that same level of attention and intensity. What are your thoughts on the strategy of preeminence and premium pricing? I agree uh, 100%, and this is something I worked a lot in my
0: business. I have to say that in this case, though, I see still a lot, probably too many, differences between Europe and, let's say, North America. So, it's you know, the European market is is different. People are a little more skeptical, and there's always a certain uh, negative attitude towards uh, the word business, money, uh, premium pricing. It's kind of funny. I don't know if you have any experience on the on the European side, you might have noticed that people are less willing to smile at a business success. It's like in Europe, it's more, oh, he had success. Mm, there's something strange there. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure if I have to trust that guy. So I think, uh, I don't know why it's like this. Maybe because of a longer, I don't know, longer history. I'm not sure if there's any reason, but I do think that this has an impact on uh, how fast, you know, the business world in Europe is actually developing today. Uh, And it is much lower than in the US. uh, Because I also think in young people, there's still somehow a lot of ideologies. So uh, making money is not a good thing. I have to help for free, which is okay. It's absolutely okay. But we know very well that the ones that help for free, actually the ones that earn a lot of money in another field. And then they decide that part of their time, part of their money goes in a project for which they don't charge. Because if you don't have that solid business base, you don't have much to give in reality, you know? So, but in Europe is a little bit different. So I do agree. And I think it is absolutely important for people starting out in this type of business to focus on that. Because as you say, there are tons of people that are under charge. And uh, it's very difficult, you know, to survive under char- charging in this business because you'll have your hours totally booked or your time totally booked, but you're not earning what you actually expect to earn. So you need to make those uh, calculations very clearly at the beginning of the business. Uh, the, yeah the only thing that I add is in Europe is a little different and when you speak a lot about for example terms as premium pricing or you show yourself as extremely successful in business you you not always have a positive reaction in the people you know? uh, it's kind understood. of strange
1: that's interesting that's interesting yeah. that's uh, that's a whole topic for another podcast interview by itself <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, there's people like that in North America as well. Uh, but, I can imagine. Sure, but uh, there are many people who buy into the American dream, exactly. even in Canada. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it, it's a beautiful thing. So, the fourth pillar of thought leadership is leverage. One of the beautiful mm-hmm. things about thought leadership is you you, you don't have to deliver it in just one way. I mean you talked about this earlier. You had your 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 clinic where you did one-on-one work with patients and now you've moved on to one to many with online programs and events and so on and so forth. And we believe it's important for a thought leader to be able to deliver and monetize their thought leadership in multiple ways. So for example, you could get paid to do a speech and you could sell uh, training programs to a corporation so they could buy, uh, you know, a hundred seats for your program. Or you could have a big public event and sell a high-level mastermind or a high-level coaching program at that et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts on leverage and the importance of it for a thought leader?
0: I think it's, uh, it's probably the most important thing in economical terms because I think it's actually the key to make this business really valuable in terms of money that you make. And uh, it took a while for me to understand how to leverage in different fields my knowledge and my, uh, let's say, my visibility But uh, indeed, it brought uh, uh, very interesting results once I understood how to do that. And um, I have to say that one thing that uh, worked very well for me, but I think works very well in general, is uh, starting with books. Because uh, a book is something, you know, that you can exploit in several different ways. A book is a door opener for going in television, radio, and podcast. And the book is something relatively profound. So if you uh, write it well, it stays within the reader, you know, you, you have space enough to explain who you really are, what you really want to say. It's not something fast like, a, I don't know, a Facebook video, you know. So that was my first step it was books. And from books, I started to understand how can I leverage so that they invited me on national television? Then uh, how can I then, uh, as you said, uh, you know, sell something to corporations? And then uh, once you work with one corporation, you can start saying, OK, now I can increase the price the next time somebody invites me. So, yeah, it's part of the strategy to make your knowledge and your visibility solid from a- an
1: economical perspective. I love it. I love it. You know, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you when it comes to um, writing books. I, I wrote a book a few years back. It was It's a slim volume uh, uh, called Finish Line Thinking. And conservatively, uh, not from book sales, because this is a self-published book in my case, but okay. conservatively, it's made me over a million dollars just, just yeah. having that book, right? Because that book being in the hands of the right people has allowed me to sell uh, uh, one-on-one coaching programs, group coaching programs. It's allowed me to get onto podcasts. Uh, yeah. which if you think about it, it's even more incredible when you start
0: out with a self-published book. Why I'm saying that? Because in principle, that is a very, very approachable strategy for anyone. As long as you have, you know, the time and capacity to write the book, but you don't even have the, the, the barrier that once was very high and still tendentiously is very high of finding a publisher. And, uh, uh, you know, so that is a great experience and a great example uh, that you start with a self-published book. And that opens so many doors, also in
1: economical terms. It's, I think it's fantastic. Thank you. I actually just finished my fifth edit of my new book, which is called *The Thought Leader's Journey*. It's it's a fable okay. of life. I was inspired to write it in the fashion that I did by both Robin Sharma and Og Mandino. Are you familiar with Og Mandino? Okay. Ogmandino? Yes. Yeah. 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 So I'm excited. I've uh, hired some folks to uh, create a, a cover for me and, uh, and lay it out and. Um, I'm, I'm, Excellent. My, my vision is if I can get this book in the hands of just 5,000 of my ideal clients, that it was going to be fabulous for them and it's going to be incredible for my business. Yeah, yeah. So um, I wholeheartedly agree with you. That's fantastic. So the fifth and final pillar of thought leadership is – we talked about this earlier – is don't do it alone. Um, <laughs> don't do it alone. You need to have coaches, you need to have mentors, you need to have peers. You need to have structures and education to allow you to go forward. And God knows that I did alone for many years, and I was stuck in this, <laughs> uh, in this space where, you know, I wasn't living the life that I always dreamed of for myself. And, and I run into this yeah. with uh, clients and prospects all the time. These are incredible people who have incredible gifts to share with the world. And they, they've they made a big difference for some people, yet because they're trying to figure it out by themselves, they just stay stuck on this plateau for far too long.
0: Wow. Well, you know, I think I can uh, say same experience. I did it alone for many years, got some results, but also got very tired, frequently very frustrated. I guess that's a common pathway for many. I think that the people that really understand the value of building a team, the the value of buying support, of getting coached, are actually the ones that go through some sort of painful experience by themselves. And they understand that maybe it's not the smartest way to, to develop yourself and your business. And uh, I got a tremendous uh, traction when I started to look for the right people. Not an easy thing. We, We both know it. Not easy at all to find the right people. But it's definitely worth the effort because once you find the people that really can support you in the different areas of a business. And we know, you know, even an individual business, an individual brand, a personal brand today is uh, enormously complex because you can exploit several different uh, technologies, platforms. uh, uh, So you, you need experts, you need expertise, and you can't be an expert in everything. I mean, you can have an overview, but you certainly cannot be the best in every single field. So don't do it alone, I think, is also something that the sooner you understand that, the better it is. And one of the main problems I see in young entrepreneurs or people that start out with their business is that you always tend to save money. And you always think that saving money is the most important thing. And actually, uh, investing properly is much more important.
1: Yeah, I uh, 100% agree with you, uh, obviously. I mean, that's that's what our whole... Uh, uh, business model is based on an East Circle Academy, and that's why we have this podcast. We wanna, we wanna learn from amazing people like you. You know, one one of my favorite personal development uh, authors is Napoleon Hill, who wrote Thinking, Grow oh, yeah. Rich, right? Absolutely. And his story is amazing because. When he got started in the field, he was introduced to the most successful business people in America at the time by Andrew Carnegie, right, who had yeah. founded U.S. Steel. So he got to interview uh, 50 or 100 of the who's who of American business, people like Henry Ford and Thomas Edison and, and you know, the fellow Wrigley who, who invented Wrigley's chewing gum and all that. Yeah. And I feel like Napoleon Hill. In fact, one of my listeners sent sent me a note saying you, you, you must be you must be the modern Napoleon Hill because you get to interview all these really brilliant bright people <laughs> and, and that's the best thing about being a podcast host whenever I yeah. have uh, an interview with someone like you, I learn so much and and that's that's the beauty of not doing it alone. Anyway. yeah
0: and uh, yeah but I, I agree you know and b- besides the fact and the opportunity by being uh, uh, a very good, podcast host because, you know, it doesn't happen to everyone. But nevertheless, besides the situation of of your specific case, I would say that anyhow, when you start opening up to the possibility of interaction at a high and deep level with people, there's always something you're going to learn, you know. And and this actually is the, let me say, uh, in quotes, the sad situation of trying to do everything alone that you somehow will never have the beautiful experience of human interaction in the attempt to create something exceptional and i'm sure you are familiar with uh, the book you know principles of um, dalio uh, one of the things that uh, i was really impressed by his uh, uh, thoughts about business and having developed such an incredible you know economic capacity and and, and is really the 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 experience side. That he, he's constantly going back to the fact that the best thing of his very long career has been the people he met, the interactions, the efforts of uh, you know human beings trying to put together their capacities to generate something new, extraordinary that doesn't exist. And uh, so that's another benefit of not doing it alone. You know, it's
1: it's this it's this beautiful experience. I love it. I love it. Philippa, I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been fantastic. So, I know that you've written nine books uh, that are all in Italian. So if any of our listeners speak Italian or read Italian, you definitely want to go check out some of Filippo's books. He is the real deal. I can tell you that he was one of the very best uh, faculty members at the Titan Summit. So I highly recommend that. But we've got to get uh, some of your books in English. And I know that you also do some coaching for folks as well. And uh, we're yep. looking to help bring your, uh, your work to North America. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your coaching and, and uh, how you help people and what are the, some of the issues that you scratch? And we can maybe put those in the show notes for people to get in touch with you.
0: Well, you know, we do. We do we, let's say most of our coaching is uh, uh, in uh, groups. Uh, But we also do some individual coaching. We are very much focusing on the neuroscientific and neuropsychological part of coaching, of course, because of our background, both mine and of my wife. Uh, We focus very much on performance enhancement, on biofeedback, on stress reduction, on uh, body and mind interaction. And, of course, also on, let's say, uh, strategic coaching to improve, you know, interaction, relationships, business, work, life, And, you know, for me, it's, first of all, been an honor to to having had the possibility to speak with you on this podcast. And of course, yes, there's the interest of saying, okay, is our experience of any value also to the international community? And if yes, which efforts can I make, you know, in order to make it available to more people? So I like very much your, your hypothesis of saying, let's bring this stuff, you know, also to North America. You know, my biggest desire is really to help as many people as I can. I know that this is very something that many people say, but uh, I think that also many people really believe in that. You know, many coaches are really somehow moved by the idea. I am here to be of service. I'm here to help. And uh, anything that can get me the possibility to help more people for me is is obviously an advantage and and it's uh, something that I love to do. Awesome.
1: Well, what we'll do is we'll uh, put your uh, LinkedIn profile uh, on the show notes. And if there's other information like websites or emails that yeah, you want me to absolutely. have there, we'll definitely do that as well. The honor has been mine, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Thank it, you, Nick. Tr- truly, uh, I, I've, I've gotten a ton out of being here with you uh, and, and having the opportunity to interview you. You're brilliant. Uh, I've learned a ton, and we're definitely going to have you back, especially once uh, we've got some of your programs available in English and having uh, one of your books available in English. We'll make sure that uh, our audience has an opportunity to uh, to learn from you, and it, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. It truly has. We like to end Thank off – each one of our um, episodes by asking you, our expert guest, what are your top three expert action steps that you recommend our listener take on in their life in their business to help take that to the next level.
0: Well, you know, I think uh, number one, we go back to uh, some things that we already said, but is learn, learn than uh, more than anyone else, because uh, that's going to be what you actually are going to be able to sell. And knowledge is very available today, but it's not all the same. You need to be very intelligent in understanding who you need to follow, where to find the information, and really to uh, you know build that level of uniqueness that makes uh, a huge difference. The second point that I would say is, is fundamental, is connected to the idea of uh, don't do it alone. And it's uh, fine. As soon as possible, a team of people doesn't have to be a huge team, can be a small team, but a team of people that make that build a frame around your knowledge, so that make your knowledge shine. Don't try to do everything by yourself because uh, that's not going to work today. Uh, to make it shine on video, on paper, in podcasts, there, you need to have a strategy in place. And if you are the one that invests most of the time in learning and, of course, in teaching, you can't invest the most of your time in doing the other stuff, in building the frame. So be the painter, not the builder of the frame. That's my second suggestion. And third, but I still believe that it's probably, uh, I don't know, maybe the most important, at least for me, because that's my background, is uh, uh, deal with your health and your fitness. Be in excellent health, be in excellent fitness. Uh, sleep enough, eat well, take your supplements, exercise, Work out. meditate. So take care of yourself because in this world of personal branding, you are the brand. And if you fall apart, the whole business is going to fall apart. So these are my three
1: most, most important suggestions there are three fantastic suggestions my friend um, <laughs> it, i i've learned a ton from being uh with you today and uh i really thank you for being here with us today and thank you nick my pleasure and listener if you're wondering to yourself wow i love this guy dr Filippo Angaro. i want to be more like this guy and if you're wondering hey Is that actually even possible? Can I be known for my expertise the way he is? Can I commercialize it powerfully the way he has? And the answer to that question is 100% absolutely yes. And here's what you need to do. It's very simple. You need to go to our website, which is eCircle Academy. You need to go to the top right-hand corner and click on a button that says, book your success call now. That way, you'll get on the phone with myself or a member of my team. And what we're going to do is we're going to take you through what we call the E-Circle Success Plan. So step one, you've taken when you do this because you've booked your success call. Step two is we we basically create a blueprint for you. and We sign you up for uh, one of our live workshops on how to take your thought leadership and turn it into this incredible, well-positioned, well-honed program for you. And step three is we help you take it out there and basically... Execute on it so that you grow your business, you make the difference that you were born to make. You know, I'm going to share this with you, Filippo, a few months ago at one of my (laughs) events, I brought up some of our clients who, who've done really well. We, we have a way of uh, measuring people's success through belt levels from martial arts, which we learned from, from Peter okay. Cook, my mentor. So each belt level has you go up about $10,000 a month in income, starting at white belt at $10,000, all the way to you know, first degree black belt at $60,000 and then beyond. And one of our people who had achieved black belt, I, I brought her up to acknowledge her and she said she wanted to share a story. And um, she lives in Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada. And it's about yeah. five, six-hour drive away from Toronto. And I was in Ottawa with my son for a soccer tournament. And I, I, I called her before the tournament and said, hey, maybe you and your kid could come meet w- with me and my son. We could have lunch together. So we did. And then I drove back to Toronto after we did that. And she said that, Nikki, you didn't know this, but when you and your son were coming to meet me and my son, my son asked me, Mom, are we going to get to meet the man that saved our family? Wow. And I was, I started to cry. You know, Philippa, <laughs> I'm a tough guy. I don't cry, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> she made me cry. And I thought to myself, that's why God put me here on this earth, yeah, is to help yeah, people yeah. like her who are struggling, who are really good at what they do, but they're struggling, and, and to help them get to that next level. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why I offer this uh, incredible success call opportunity to you, our listener. Again, thank you so much, Filippo. Thank you. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, Dr. Filippo Ongaro, please go to our website, thethoughtleaderrevolution.com, check out the show notes, and to jump on a success call with myself or a member of my team, go to ecircleacademy.com and click on the button in the top right-hand corner. Until next time, goodbye.